0: Good day and welcome to the Seafile Talks podcast. I trust all is well. We at Kalina Financial Advisors Limited welcome you and thank you for joining us. My name is Claudia Thompson and I will be your host for this series. Today I have with me our Seafile experts, Pamela Musgrove Ferguson, Vice President of Investments, and Sophia Thurston, Vice President of Pensions and Operations. Welcome, ladies. Are you ready to talk about saving towards financial freedom?
1: We are. We are.
0: So I'm sure we can all agree that saving is essential to achieving financial security and is also crucial to our overall well-being. Financial stress causes a multitude of problems. The goal of this series is to help listeners understand the importance of saving towards financial freedom and to help people develop a plan that will secure their financial future. Our experts will give tried and true methods that will lead to financial freedom even in the midst of the present economic crisis. So our first question, having the financial conversation. So how important is it to talk about finances and money management? Is this a private topic or should we be more open when talking about money? What are your thoughts, ladies?
2: Um, I think it's it's very important to, to have that conversation. You know, there's a saying, knowledge is power. And I think the more knowledge you have about your finances, it will help you to make better decisions. So I think the conversation should be age appropriate as well and should start from very early on. I have a four-year-old nephew and his mom bought him some boots because he wanted to play in the muddy puddle. He told his mom that he wants to go out and play in the muddy puddle. And she said, okay, when the rain stops, we can play in the muddy puddle. So he asked her if she had some boots. And she said, no. He said, I'll buy you some boots, mummy," And she said, okay, tell daddy, give you the money to buy the boots. And he says, no, mummy, I'm going to buy the boots. So she said, where will you get the money from? He said, my piggy bank. <laughs> so they, his parents bought him a piggy bank, and they would tell him to put the coins in the piggy bank. And so when she told me the story, I'm saying, yes, he's getting it, you know, that he knows the piggy bank is where money goes, and he could get that money to purchase what he wants to, to purchase. So I think having the conversation at an age-appropriate level is very important.
1: Okay. Starting young. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I totally agree. Um... I had the opportunity as well to speak to some children about saving um, in our girls' ministry program at church. And after the talk, it was interesting. um, One of the girls, her parents stopped me because he talked about how you will get these funds for saving. And so the example I gave was that they can do chores and, you know, your parents can pay Pay you for the chores. You're opening up a can of worms, (laughs) Sophie. (laughs) The parent is like, okay, I never thought of that. Um, But, you know, I did it with Alyssa. You know, if you dust, you get $2. If you clean this, you you get $2. If you fold up your clothes, $2. You know, so then they get to accumulate and they get to um, save. And then they don't want to spend all of their money. And so they start to, to think about how much I want to keep and how much I want to spend. So I think if you start at an early age, it's really better.
2: And it's associating work with money. Like you have to earn it, right? Yes. Okay. And I like that because one of my idols in terms of John Templeton, you know, he in his book, he was saying that he started earning money from age six. And his parents would do the same thing. They would give him chores to do. And then they would pay him. And I know my niece, when she was younger in primary school, she's now 27, 28, she didn't like to read. And so when I went to work and she was home, I I gave her this task. I said, okay, you have to read this book for uh, the week. And then I gave her one pager. And I said, and I need a book report on Friday. And for every book report that you do, you get $5. And she would put those things out. So I was kind of killing two birds with one stone, getting her to read more and then paying her for it. And to this day, she's a hustler. She, she hustles. Like she, would, she would work. She works very hard for money. So I think that is, uh, I like that, um, um, Sophie, example that you give because I think it's so appropriate. And like I like mentioned earlier, that's, you have that age-appropriate conversation because, see, if you're going to grow your wealth, you need to know where you are. And you need to have those conversations. And once it's age appropriate, not the heavy stuff, then when the time comes that you really have to talk about the serious stuff, it will be easier. Right. And get creative with different ways
0: of teaching people about money, especially children.
2: I think that's a good idea.
0: But not everybody lives in that type of home where money is talked about openly, right? So I find some people, you know, they don't feel comfortable going to their parents and saying, okay, so how does money work? Um, what happens here? Why did we get in this situation or that situation? You know, some parents will be like, okay, that's my business. Stay out of that. What What do you say to those people? Like, where should they go? Who should they ask in those
2: types of situations? Well, see, that's, that's a difficulty because... While we are talking, while we are saying that it's it's important to have that conversation, uh, sometimes it's a very difficult conversation to have. You know, the University of Cambridge in 2013 said that your money habits are set by the age of seven, and that includes planning and seeking for instant gratification. So if you don't have those conversations, then children are going to watch what their parents see. And so if you're somebody that is not a good start, so to speak, in managing money, then most of the times children turn out in their adult life to be like that, and then you have challenges. And you have um, challenges like we see today with many persons who uh, don't handle money well. And so it is a challenge, but in your adult life, you have to, I guess, develop that confidence to talk to people. And even with that, there are not a lot of persons around that you can, can talk to. So it would really have to be a mindset to make you um, frustrated with where you are today if you're not a good steward of your, your, your money and decide that I need change. And then you look at the resources that are available online. Maybe you see somebody who's doing a good job and you just approach that person. You know, How is it that you were able to achieve this? Can you help me to achieve such financial security?
0: Well, hopefully they have a Sophie at their church and <laughs> they could go to youth ministry and hear her speak, right? Why is saving so important and
2: what really does saving mean? So a definition that I would use for saving is putting aside monies over your disposable income for future use. And if you can develop a saving pattern, that would be the most important financial habit that you can develop. And so if you have savings, it, it, you would avoid the financial frustration that will come with not being able to meet those financial emergencies. I'll give an example. So a few years back, um, maybe seven, eight years back, um, I was coming into the office on a Saturday. And for some reason, I don't know, I wasn't disoriented, but for some reason, I wanted to park but I missed the park out front in the front of the building. So I said, I'll go around and come back. And I drove over the tire spikes. And it didn't dawn on me, because they were always there when you go, you know, the tire spikes in the road. And then when I got in the back of the building, you understand the layout of this parking lot. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, Do that tire? does that tire spike work? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my wheel got heavy. I had spiked three tires. One tire was like $175, and I got a discount because I was doing three tires. So if I didn't have the monies to purchase those tires, I would have been in distress because I needed my car to get from point A to B.
0: But you had been saving and it wasn't that you had to use your credit card or anything like that. You actually were able to use your savings because you didn't use all of what you
2: made. Right? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Right. So I wasn't the frustration for me at that point wasn't that, Oh Lord, I don't have the money to do this. The frustration was how could you be so <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's a, a mistake any of us could make it? I understand. But still, yeah. And then to the, I had the to try the effort that you have yes. to go and change the time. So yeah. my frustration wasn't that I didn't have the monies To fix this, it was more that why did you, how could you do this? And I had to make a long drive on on wobbly tires to go where I had to go to um, get the tires changed. So those financial emergencies, if you have monies set aside, it will help you to be able to deal with those in as with minimal stress as possible. I agree.
1: Um, Not only financial emergencies, but also I think for big purchases. I remember when we were investing in a condo, you know, the banks would tell you you, the requirements, is so much percent down, and we went along, put your 10% down or whatever it was, and you're thinking, okay, everything is going to be approved. Then you get to the next stage, and they need insurance, so you say, okay, you could purchase insurance. And then at the very end, you know, when you think it's all done, they said, oh, we actually need more funds. And if you can't come up with this additional funding, you will not be able to get the loan. And so we had well Dexter is more of a saver than I. So of course he would have saved the two money on than one. the side. Yes. <laughs> well, there's usually a balance, right? Yes. Well, there's usually
0: one yes. that's better on it than the
1: other. <laughs> and so, you know, we were able to come up with the funds, else we would not have been able to purchase that condo.
0: Wow. Okay. So it really is a safeguard to really help you achieve your goals. So saving really is when you don't spend everything that you make. You try to live below your means. You're not going over your salary each month. You're actually putting something aside for a rainy day. So what must happen for a person to be able to save? Does it require discipline,
2: a mindset? What do you think? You mentioned it. Spending below your means. I think if persons get nothing else from this podcast, they have to get. This, the key to financial freedom and security is spending below your means. And so if you, the, the monies that you receive, if you are spending below your means, it means you're building up disposable income and you can take a portion of the disposable income to save. And it's, it's as simple as that.
1: I think um, most people, because it's a mindset, um, and in our culture, we like to keep up. They find it very difficult. Um, so with that mindset, you have to put yourself in a place where you don't really think of, care what people think about you. Um, so, you know, you may buy a less expensive car so that you could have the excess to save, but they don't understand. They're saying, but you work here, And I know you're making X. Why are you driving that kind of car?
0: Yes, there is a a standard or a perception um, in different professions that you must drive a certain thing, live a certain place, spend a certain amount on jewelry, food, schooling, whatever it is. There is that perception. So you have to get to a mindset, is what you're saying, where it's about what you want personally, not what you're trying to show the outside world.
2: You know, my mom told me this story A long time ago And it stuck with me um, In terms of savings And she Initially when she and my father Got married She didn't work Um, And so He would take something out of his salary And then he would give her the rest For living expenses But she was saving it Like she took the minimum And then the excess She was saving it And he needed some monies for an important item. And so she went and she got $5,000 from her stash and she counted out to him. And he looked at the oh, way you get this money from. <laughs> and wow. he, she said to him, this is the money that you gave me. I was saving it. And that seemed simple but it was profound to me. It stuck with me. My mom is not an extravagant person and so she, she lived within her means and that's, I got a lot of that from her. But that right there showed how she was a good steward and she took those monies, stashed a portion portion of it and she was able then to give him that, to, to make this purchase that he so desperately needed. And that's the key, it's that mindset and like both of you say, it's about living below your means and not being concerned about what other people think about it but you living towards a particular goal that you have.
0: Yeah, she is a very smart woman because you know a lot of times husband or a wife in a situation like that where they have access They would have spent it on clothes or jewelry or having a good time or gambling or whatever it is. You know, people have vices and people have things that they really like to do. But for her to have the level-headed mindset to say, I'm going to put something aside because, you know, something's going to come up. And all of us now, during this pandemic, we never thought we would have been here. So we're going to have to help others. And really to have that level-headed mindset of, I'm going to put something aside, really says something wonderful about her.
2: Yeah. I learned that from her a long time ago that, you know, you do not spend every dime that you make.
0: So that's the main takeaway, I think, um, that we want to stress as well. Is putting
2: money away
0: while you still have bills outstanding still considered saving?
2: Yeah, I think savings is savings. The definition that we use is that those funds that you put aside to, um, for future use, it's savings. So you, you don't take away from that. The fact that you may have large debt or the fact that you may have outstanding bills doesn't change the definition of savings. I think the question is, should you save notwithstanding you have these large bills outstanding, That's the key. And for that, in terms of a guideline, I would say if you're not attracting any interest on these bills, I think you should save and pay the bills. So you kind of split it. So if this bill that you have outstanding, let's say it's the light bill. Um, They're not charging you an interest for this bill being outstanding. I say pay it down, but take a portion of those funds and save it. If you do not have an emergency fund, I know we'll get into that later on, then I say save as well and pay the bill down. But if the bill outstanding is attracting high interest on it, then I would say it's better to seek to pay those bills down as quickly as possible and then look towards saving.
0: So what is an example of like a high interest bill that you would advise someone to try to pay off?
2: Well, credit cards. Um, in the Bahamas, I think it's like 18, 22%. And when I used to do financial consultation, I don't do it anymore, but when I used to do it and would sit down and talk to people, when they itemized their bills for me, you would find that most of their debt was in consumer loans. And a lot of times they couldn't even remember why they took it out. And so because, it's, because they want it quickly, they don't tend to think of the cost that is associated with that loan, and it tends to be very high in terms of interest costs and in terms of loan fees that the bank charge them. So those uh, consumer loans and the credit card bills, they are the ones that you don't want them to be lingering around because they're very expensive.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think for me, like when I first got into saving, I had to first pay down a lot of my debt and bills before and have that excess there to save. I, I wouldn't have been comfortable putting money aside and having a credit card bill of 18 to 20 percent or a car loan 14 percent. So yes, you need to get rid of those high interest rate and <laughs> consumer debt first. Um, but if you have a bill, um, like Pam says, that's not attracting any interest and nobody running you down to pay it, <laughs>
2: You must pay now. now.
1: Then. <laughs> We're getting into a gray area, ladies. We need to pay our bills. We have to pay our bills. No, you then should you, pay then you can save and yes. pay. Okay. You can okay. save and pay. So I mean like your mortgage. Your mortgage, you have a mortgage and it's going to be around for 30 years. You, you guys I to wait to pay off this mortgage before I start to save for my emergency fund. The two of those need to be happening concurrently. So yes,
0: in thirty years, you're gonna have some sort of emergency that comes up. So you definitely are gonna have to save and have some sort of funds. But um, for me personally, I had to make sure that I had paid off, like uh, like a home improvement loan I had taken out and car payments and all of that before I really started to learn. Okay, what am I gonna save for? How am I gonna make interest on my money now? You know, like I had to shift and say, okay, I need to be debt. Relatively debt free before I go down that road. So, number five, um, how much should a person save?
2: I would say about 15% of your income. And I know for some that um, they may be thinking, well, 15%? You got to be kidding me, right? But when you break it down, it's not so difficult. So, your emergency funds should be three to six months living expenses, right? And then if you are in a company-sponsored pension plan, the average match, and Sophie can correct me, is 5-5. So you pay 5% of your salary, and the employer pays 5%. That's already 10. And then you also, once you're working, you will be contributing to national insurance. And that's like 3.9% for um, an individual, right? So... That's already 3.9%, so you have 13.9%, and then you have the emergency funds. So I think it's about 15% overall that you should be seeking to save, and don't be overwhelmed by it. Start small. You don't need a big lump sum to start saving. Just start with a little amount first, and then build up to where you need to be.
0: So even if you're just matching what the company's doing for you in a company sponsored pension plan, start there and then you can always grow.
1: Okay. Well, I go by the 50, 30, 20 rule. So 50% in bills, 30% discretionary, and then 20% is saving. Um, like Pam said, you can it's allocated, so you know it's not all coming, you're not saving all in a pension, the whole 20%. You have your NIV contributions and other things, but you need to put away at least 20% of your income. You need that emergency fund, and you will need your retirement income. And, you know, if you want a short-term loan or something, short-term savings, then you will also need items for that.
0: So I've always heard that your housing and, like, expenses should never be more than, like, 30% of what you take home.
1: Is that correct or no? Bills, normally 50%. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your rent, mortgage, utility bills, car loans, they will take up about 50%.
0: So what if they take up like 80% of your income?
1: Is that where people they, get in they, trouble? Yeah, that's where they're <laughs> getting in real trouble because then they still want their discretionary items, mm-hmm. their luxury. They still, you know, want their entertainment and they want to be enjoying life. So mm-hmm. if, you, if the bills are too high and, and you still have to have a little bit of fun else, what is this life? Mm-hmm. Then what's going to get cut out? the saving.
2: Yeah. Okay. So around the. And it's good to 20%. know where you start. Let's just say that you find yourself in financial difficulty at this point, and we're saying 50, 60% should be your bills, and you are at 80%. Then what you need to do now is look at where this excess is and seek to cut back. And so you, you, have a, you at least have a starting point in terms of where you need to go in order to achieve financial freedom and security. How much do you think a person should save? And how early should we begin to save? Well, you know, textbook says in your early 20s, you know, you read a lot of the financial journals and stuff, they will tell you start in your early 20s or when you start to work from the moment you start to work. Um, I say from a little child, I think every five year old should have a piggy bank. (laughs) That's what I believe. Every five-year-old should have a piggy bank and their parents should encourage them to save the pennies.
0: Okay, but what about a young adult? Say you just started working at 21, 22. You want want to live a little, right? You want to go buy some clothes. You want to travel a little. You know, you want to buy a car. What do you tell them? Is saving so important at that time in your life or no?
2: No, and I experienced that because talking to persons like some of our clients for pension, they make it voluntary because we don't have pension legislation to mandate it. So they would tell persons it's voluntary. And a lot of times the younger people would say, I cannot afford 5% out of my salary. I, I just cannot afford it. And so they forfeit it. And then you see people in their older, at an older age, they turn around and they say, if I only knew better, if I had only knew better, I would save more at that point. So I say start with the fact that just taking a little bit out of your salary on a monthly basis and putting it towards saving. Make it automatic. Because if you don't know it's leaving, then you're going to be in a better position to save and have that discipline to save. And
0: should that, person who's 22, 23, be saving less than someone who's 40,
1: 50, or more? You tend to
2: save more. Sophie?
1: um, Yeah, so the person who is, is younger will definitely save less. Um, the, from the presentations that we have given um, for retirement planning, the, the older persons, if they did not start early, and now they have to increase that voluntary contribution to get to the number they want to be at when they retire. Um, so younger persons, you start young, you could, you could save a small amount, and you have the advantage of compound interest. But when you start later off in life, then you have to increase that amount dramatically to achieve what you need to achieve. So like Pam said, I think if you learn from a child the importance of savings, when you get into young adult, you would still have that habit in place and you wouldn't spend all that you make. You would enjoy life, but you, you know the importance of putting money aside. And so when you have to buy that first car, you could save for your down payment. It's not such a struggle that you don't have to get it from your parents. But um, the later in life you wait, the more you have to, to save. And I mean, we have had people approaches at age. 50 and they have 10 years left, and they want a
2: miracle. And I have an experience that I when I started to work, um, I've been at CFAL for over 20 years, and they were deducting I don't remember a pension for the initial jobs that I had. But CFAL was deducting a pension from the salary, and they were matching, and I didn't even know. I didn't even know. But it's just how I didn't even miss it because it was automatic. And I remember after working for about three or so years, um, after my dad died in 1999, I I told my mom that I wanted us to build some apartments. And um, she, of course, said she didn't have any money. And then I found out that we had a pension. (laughs) And we have no pension legislation, so we have access to our pension money. So I went to the principals at the time, and I said that I wanted to invest in building some apartments. And they said, sure, you know, I you can deduct from your, you can move money from your pension because that's what it's all about. And I was able to get $20,000 from my pension to start building for these apartments. So that's, to me, the power of saving. I didn't have the monies in a bank account because I wasn't saving like that. But because that money was being deducted from my, my salary over a certain period of time, it was attracting interest, and I was able to secure those funds in order to begin um, building for the apartments.
0: So did you feel that deduction? Because some people would be like, no, I don't want anything coming out of my salary. Sometimes um, we may encounter that from clients saying, you know, I need all of my money. I don't want anything coming out of my salary. But like you said, you didn't really feel it, right? No, I didn't. I didn't even
2: know they were doing it because I don't remember anybody sitting me down and saying, well, you're going to have a pension and you're going to deduct the money from your pension, which was good which was good because I didn't feel a thing. I just found out about it, somehow I found out about it and I sought to approach them to find out if I can use these monies uh, to, to build, start building these apartments. And so because of that, I'd say for savings, I was able to create wealth in that, at that moment that I would not have had if all of those monies were just coming directly to me you were able to take advantage of an opportunity
0: that arose because you had those funds saved.
2: So for our last question,
0: what types of options do Bahamians have to save and invest in and how should they evaluate those options?
1: So Bahamians have the bank accounts, so you have the various banks, the credit unions, We have our broker-dealers, you have the local stock market available. I think... Before you dive in, you should do a comparative analysis. So you can go to the banks, compare the fees, compare the interest rates that are being offered um, before you decide on one. Similarly, with the brokerage houses, you could look at what they offer. um, If it's mutual funds, understand the fees from the mutual funds and what the returns are.
2: Yeah, I think today we have much more options than we did in time past. You know, during my time, it was only the banks, really that we had access to, but we have money market funds and we have uh, savings solutions that persons can invest in with small amounts. So it all depends on your objective at that point. Depending on your objective, you can utilize any one of the, the savings vehicles that are available to us today in the country.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, ladies. The conversation was wonderful, and I look forward to discussing saving towards financial freedom some more. CFAL Talks would love to hear from you on what financial topics you would like our experts to discuss next time. Please send your suggestions to info at cfal.com or visit our website, cfal.com.